Thanks for joining us today for the Ramp Church podcast. We pray that you'll be uplifted, empowered and revived by this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Ram Church Manchester or would like to partner with us in giving, visit us over on our website, ramp.church/mcr or find us on social media. Now let's get into this week's message. Good morning. Oh, that was good. <laughs> you know what was coming if you didn't, didn't you? <laughs> well, thank you uh, for coming this morning. Um, Myself and my wife are going to be sharing a joint message, a tag team. You get double for your money this morning. Okay. And we're talking about communities. It's quite interesting when we're, we're preparing a message and we've both been preparing our own message. And uh, a little bit of it has been, uh, what are you talking on? What, what Bible passages are you using? Oh, I was using that one. Oh. <laughs> so there may be a little bit of a crossover well, that's all right. That's because God wants to make sure you get that little bit, isn't it? Okay, all right. So we're talking about communities this morning. It's something that Camilla and myself do. We lead the communities at church. So we're, we're a little bit biased when it comes to the subject. I hope you understand. But I'm talking about communities. And I want to talk to you about where communities come from. Okay? Where do communities come from? And I've sort of labeled this, this little mini talk. I've called it Communities. Are you just surviving or are you thriving? Are you just surviving or are you thriving? Okay. So first of all, I want to look at the different communities that there are in the Bible because I think that gives us a good guide. And the good news for you is those of you who aren't really used to looking into the Bible or just fumble around or you're used to doing it on an app, um, there's a really easy part of the Bible I'm going to go to because it's right at the beginning. You don't get any beginning earlier than Genesis 1, chapter 1. Verse 1, everything is one. Yeah, just open the first page, it's there. That's where we're going, okay? And the first community we find is there. Genesis 1 verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God. There it is. There's the first community. And I'm not kidding you. There's the first community. That is God. And that is Trinity. God is not just one person. God already exists as a relationship. As we open the Bible, we find out that God isn't just one thing. God is a relationship of Father, Son, and Spirit. God is relationship. That's the first thing we find out about God. And let me prove it to you. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 22, God says, Man has become like us. Us. I'm not talking about me. God has, man has become like us. Who's the us? That's the Trinity. John 14, verse 9. Have I, Jesus said, have I been with you all this time, and yet you still do not know me, Philip? To see me is to see the Father. That's Jesus. If you see Jesus, you see the Father. John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Who's the Word? It's Jesus. The Word is Jesus. Jesus was with God in the beginning. In the beginning, God. That is the Trinity. And just to wrap it up, John 14 verse 20. Jesus said, I am in him. That's the Father. 
and he is in me, the son. Oh, can we agree that there is more than one person when we say, in the beginning, God? That's the first relationship there is in the Bible. I think it's really important for you to understand that. The Bible starts with relationship. That's the first thing you need to know. And it's a perfect relationship. Second community. We look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It's all Genesis. It's easy stuff, this. You don't have to flick around. I'm not going to have you jumping around. Where's Micah? Where's Hosiah? Where's Habakkuk? Don't worry about them. You just need the basic ones this morning. Because I'm a basic person, okay? Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our own image. Us, an hour again, just to remind you, Trinity. Let us make man. The second relationship, the second community in the Bible is God and man. God made man primarily to be in relationship with him. That is what we are supposed to be here for God. We are in relationship. It's in our DNA. God made us to be in relationship with him. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 to 9, it says, And they heard the sound of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? God's walking in the garden. And the thing he's trying to do is what? He's looking for man. He's looking for Adam. He's seeking him. He wants a relationship. He isn't just there. He isn't just God Almighty and man's over there. He's actually seeking God. He's actually come down to have that relationship. It's obviously an ongoing thing that's happening. God is in relationship with man. God is seeking man. It's an important part. It's the first thing we know about God and man. They're just in relationship. That's the first thing we know. Third community. This is where it goes a little bit wrong. Genesis 1 verse 26. Let us make man in our own image after our likeness. So in that likeness, we have relationship. There's a need to have relationship. So man is made with the need to have relationship. What's that, really, what's that physical image? God isn't a physical image. It's not two arms, two legs, two eyes. It's not that. It's the DNA of needing to be in relationship that God makes us in his own image. God is a creator and he makes us in his own image. So we must have been created with that DNA in us. It had to have been built in us because that's the only thing we know about God, his relationship, and he made us like him. It's interesting when we... Uh, Look at uh, children. My son this morning, we were praying before we came. And he just, you know, it says in the Bible, out of the mouths of babes. And he just dropped the bombshell as we were driving here. <laughs> and he was praying. And his prayer was basically, God, thank you that you made us like you. Even when we were babies, we are like you. When we're teenagers, he actually went through everything. When we're toddlers, pre-teens, but well, that's my son for you, okay? Um, and when we're adults, we're in your likeness, God. Nine years old, and he had that revelation that I've been spending weeks trying to work out, okay? <laughs> Takes after his mom, obviously. But babies, even babies have that desire to be in relationship. What is the thing that babies do? They like to share, don't they? Have you ever seen a baby? With some food, it's like, <laughs> looks a bit soggy, not having it. <laughs> Babies just want to share, don't they? They just want to share. It's in, in their DNA, it's the first thing they do when they get something. But we're like that when we're older. I mean, what's the point in doing things 
if we don't share them. I mean, I'm talking about experiences. You go on holiday, you take your photographs. We share them. We have an amazing experience or something, something happens. My kid's running the door. Dad, 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 guess what happened? That's relationship. That's the need to share what's going on in my life with you. This is something great and I want you to know about it. We don't just do things and just sit on them. Why do you think Facebook's so popular? Why do you think Facebook's so popular? Because we just want to share as much as we can. Some people overshare, I agree. And if you're like me, you're pretty much never on there. But we like to share. It's in our DNA. God made that for us because that's a, that's a sign of relationship. But God said in Genesis 2 verse 18, it's not good for man to be alone. Now God actually brings, he sees God, he sees man is alone. He sees he's not happy. So what does he do? He actually brings all of creation to Jesus. He, to Adam. He brings all of creation to Adam. But along amongst everything that God brings to Adam, there's nothing that will satisfy him. That's just a one for you to stop there. There's nothing else in the world that will satisfy you. Adam had it right at the beginning, and God brought everything to him, and Adam said, mm, it's not doing it, God. It's just not doing it. So what did God do? He made another human. He realized that man needed another man. There was something missing. Now, it sounds a little bit heretical to say, but we need God, but we're not whole unless we have other people in our lives. And it says that in the Bible. We are not whole. God made Adam, and he saw Adam wasn't happy because it wasn't good for him to be alone. We are not designed to do life on our own people. We are not designed to do life on our own. I think in the last couple of years, we've been more than aware since the pandemic's hit us, the impacts of loneliness, the impacts of isolation. Well, God knew that wasn't good. He said it's not good for man to be alone. But let me give you some real life statistics here. Social isolation is a statement I've got on a survey on a paper on social isolation. Social isolation. Social isolation significantly increases a person's risk of premature death from all causes, all causes. A risk that rivals those of smoking, obesity, and physical activity. That's being alone, loneliness. There's a 50% increase in the risk of dementia. There's a 29% increase in the risk of heart disease. And there's a 32% increase of risk of stroke. It's actually, loneliness is the equivalent to your health, the impact of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. That's the impact. There's a recognized link between loneliness and suicide. It is a direct link. Suicide is the second highest cause of death amongst young men in the UK. Second highest. What causes that? being alone, telling yourself I can do it on my own, don't need anybody else, not going to open up. Those are all symptoms of being alone and placing yourself in the place where you're alone. And the problem is society tells us, well, you're tough, tough it out, man up. That's not manning up. 
That's toxic masculinity at its worst. You do not do things on your own. You know, we, we have heroes that we look up to often, don't we? I, I love some of these heroes that I grew up as a kid, but when I look at it as a, from a, a Christian view, I realize that actually isn't great. And I'm talking about when I grew up, Clint Eastwood. Wanted to be him. Wanted to be him. Wanted to walk into town with the gun, show off, shoot a couple of baddies, salute, and off I go. I'm there to sort everyone else's problems out, but I don't hang around long enough to anyone see my problems. No one's going to see my problems. I could talk about lots of other people. Who likes Jack Reacher? I like Jack Reacher novels. They're exactly the same. One man who sorts everybody else's problems out, but don't let anyone get near me. Why don't we let other people get near us? Is that because we think we're too good? Not prepared to bring ourselves down? Don't want to let other people see what's really going on with us. Well, if you stay away, you can. But the consequences are we're seeing health. That ain't good for you. I used to go to the gym. I say used to. You can tell used to. I'm getting back into it. But, um, and I was really fortunate. I went to the gym and a guy took me under his wing. And he was a very experienced bodybuilder. I mean, he knew his stuff. Big Jeff. Everyone knew Big Jeff. And he was great at training. He told me some really, really good things at training. And he was really encouraging. And when I wanted to wimp out of it a little bit, he'd be like, no, no, let's put some more on. And he would push me. And he would also be there to help me when the weights got too heavy. Or he'd push me a bit too hard and he would be there. I knew I was safe when Jeff was weight watching with me. He was spotting me. One of the problems with Jeff was he was a plumber. And he often had jobs to do that he couldn't predict how long they were going to be. And sometimes I go to the gym at the agreed time and I get a phone call half an hour later. And then this obviously dates me because it's pre-mobile phone times, guys. Those times did exist, I promise you. And I'll be sat at the gym and I'll be waiting. And the guy at the gym will say, you're waiting for Jeff? Yeah, okay. Do you want a coffee? Yeah. <laughs> half an hour later, phone call. Uh, Pete? Uh, Jeff's been delayed. Um, it'd be in half an hour. Right, okay, half an hour. So an hour I've been waiting. Okay. Half an hour would go. Phone call. Uh, Jeff's not going to make it. Sorry. Oh. Can I be bothered training now? Can I be bothered? And I would go and do it, but I'd be half hearted and I wouldn't enjoy it. I feel I've wasted an hour. And I'd look at the people walking out of the gym thinking, I, I, that's me. I, I should have been there now. And it was painful. And after a couple of months of doing this, I eventually decided, I'm not going to bother training with Jeff. I'm just going to turn up on my own. So I went and trained on my own. And if you know me now, I won't train with anybody else because I've got used to training on my own. It's the way I decided to train because it was just easier to plan my day, not have to wait for anybody else. I know what I want to do for a workout, and I'm going to do it. And the problem with that is, I can't lift heavier weights, and I've got no one there to watch me. So I have to be super careful when I'm doing it, which means I'm not really thriving in the gym, because I've always got to be that little bit more careful. Now, there's lots of reasons why we pull away from being with other people. Lots of reasons, but none of them are really good enough to not come back to community. It says, 
In Genesis 2 verse 34, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. God can see the importance of people doing life together. Now it isn't just about marriage. <laughs> it's not just about marriage is great. Marriage is really important. In fact, it's so important. I didn't realize how many imperfections I had until I was married. It was that important to find out those imperfections. But that's what happens when you come close to people. So you've got to decide, do I want to get better? Do I want to have a better thriving life at the cost of being aware of some of those imperfections? Some of you know we've been doing a bit of a renovation project at home. And uh, before Christmas, I decided to start and hit the stairs. Now, we wanted to replace the stairs, but it was stupid cost to replace them. So we said, we'll do what we can do and do the stairs we got. So I said, I'll paint them. It's really dark, stained wood on it. And we didn't like that. It made the hall dark. So we said, we'll paint it white. But the first thing you have to do is you have to give it a bit of clean and you have to sand it down. And I gave myself four days to do this. And actually, I was that cocky. I actually gave up one of the days and did something else. Three days, that's plenty. It's one of your set of stairs. What's that? Six yards? Get that done. Easy. Lots of time. Well, I've probably done a quarter of it by now. And the problem is, when I cleaned the stairs, and when I got the sandpaper out, and I started to rub it down, I started to see a few imperfections. There were things there I didn't see, because I couldn't see through the surface. But as soon as you get close with a bit of sandpaper and start rubbing it down, you see all them divots and all them cracks and all them things that you didn't see because it was in the dark. Are we a bit like that? Do we avoid getting close to people because they're going to see the things that we don't want them to see? Now, the good news is I've got a bit of wood filler. So I've started filling them, but it's going to take me a bit of time. And that's just like Jesus. He's there to fill the gaps in for you, but it ain't going to be instant. It's going to be a bit of time, but that's where you have to put that time in. God's waiting to be in that relationship with you, and there are other people there prepared to be in community with you. You just got to be prepared to get close enough to let that sandpaper rub up against you. The Bible says this in Proverbs 27, verse 17. Iron sharpens iron one man sharpens another man you may be pretty sharp already you may not need it you may be sorted you may be already in some communities i want to challenge you there may be someone else that needs you to come alongside them to get that little bit of standing don't be so confident that you think you've got it sorted because if you think that, you probably haven't. <laughs> but there might be someone else that needs your help. Because it isn't always about you. Did you realise that? Christian life ain't all about you. Sorry to burst some bubbles there. <laughs> some of you will know many years ago, I was on a reality TV show. It was called Survivor. Why on earth would I go on a programme like that? Well, it was easy. There was a million pound prize. Million pounds! Who wants a million pounds? What would you do for a million pounds? Would you hold your tongue and tell someone you didn't think they were an idiot for a couple of days? Would you? That's what we did. It's not hard, is it? 
Million pounds, Pete. Just zip your lips and smile and tell people they're all right. What? Axe murderer? Lovely. Nice to meet you. That's what we found. We got on this program. People had never met before. But there was something at stake. A million pounds. A lot of things I do for a million pounds. <laughs> I'm happy to keep my mouth shut. That's definitely one. And the idea of this program is you're split into teams. And the teams will compete with each other. And a three-day cycle. And every three days, one of the teams has to go to a council and vote one of their members off. Guess who they're going to vote off? Sometimes they vote the weak person off because they think they'll be better in the challenges. But you know what? Sometimes we just voted off the person that got on our nerves because we're spending all day and all night with them and I just can't take it too many times, okay? I'm prepared to forgo winning a challenge just to get some people off. And that's what actually happened. Eventually, people started to crack and people started to vote other people off simply because you're getting on my nerves. Towards the end, people worked out who they thought was going to win and who they thought they needed and who they thought they could jettison and then people a little bit more honest. It's amazing what we'll do when we think there's something at stake. And when we think that person's got nothing for us, we're quite happy just to leave them alone, walk away. Do we do that in church? Do we look for the people that we think, oh, that might be good to talk to. They'll elevate me. They look funny, I'll talk to them. What about the people in the shadows? What about the people in the shadows waiting for someone to come and reach out to them? It might be you. You might be the person that could reach out to those people. You see, actually avoiding what challenges us with interactions and taking away the opportunity to help others. We might not, be, we might not feel we need to have any work done, but actually it probably means we do. But we pull away. Some of us don't want to get involved. Men, you're useless at getting involved in communities. Okay? just want to say that again. In fact, just... just Men, every man putting their hands up in the air. Every man, every man. You see, I already can see the resistance. I know the people who don't go to communities because they're the people that aren't putting their hands up. Okay. I see all of you. Come on. Men, you're rubbish at joining up communities. You're rubbish. Whatever that is, sort it out. It's your ego. Women attend communities and they're awesome. They join in. Yes, yes. They join in. They're not afraid to open up. And this year, we just don't want to go there, do we, guys? Mm. Jack Reacher wouldn't go to a community meeting. <laughs> Romans 12, verse 15 says, Rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. All these aren't optional things for you to pick up and... like that bit, I'll do that bit. I don't like that bit. Communities, no, no, I want that. It ain't optional. God designed you to be in relationship with people, with him and with other people. It's in your design. If you're not doing that, you're not doing what the manufacturing instructions say. I know that my success as a Christian cannot be defined solely by how close I am to God. It's about how close I am to others in community with God. If you're not in relationship with people, if you're avoiding 
You're not doing the right thing. You're not doing what God designed you to do. Thank you. So good, so good. Well done, well done, hubby. <laughs> yeah, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, you can tell we're passionate about communities. I'm looking at your lovely faces. So I'm just going to start very simply in a well-known verse. One, uh, sorry, John 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, the Passion Translation says... The living expression became a man and lived among us. The um, New Living Translation says he became human and made his home among us. NIV, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The Message Translation, he moved into the neighborhood. What an example to us. The creator of the universe could have chosen any way to come any way to come and he chose to put on flesh he chose to come down and dwell among us his people I just like was so couldn't move from that verse when I started preparing for this and I was so glad that the Lord like reminded me keep it simple Camilla keep it simple we can overcomplicate things that he gave us this example he put on flesh and he dwelled among us, which shows his heart for us. It shows how much he prioritizes our relationships. He is the best role model. He made us in God's image, didn't he? And what a, what a role model. If we are ever unsure about where to start, no doubt in our minds that God prioritizes our relationships with him and with each other. He humbled himself to live among us with all of our foibles and faults and all the things that are of humanity that are ugly. And he chose to be alongside us. He chose to wash his disciples' feet. What an example. What an example. We, as, as, a, as, a, as, as a society, we're always often pushing ourselves forward. But he showed us go low. He showed us that quiet, quiet quiet work behind the scenes and as I look across you all ramp community diverse in every way I just feel God's delight like I, I look at us and I think this is a really unique expression there's so many times we've we've had you know years of being in different churches and like lots of communities we can end up looking the same, you know, football communities, hobbies, those rambling communities. People can look, start looking and dressing and sounding the same, but we're not like that. Ramp Church is not like that. Look around, people. I just want, I just want you to take a moment and I want you to look around at the people that you sat with right now. Because this is just, I know it feels weird. I know it feels weird, but just look around. Look around. Look at the many faces that you don't know. Look at the incredible opportunities that you've got to make new friendships. Where in the world, like, we are a new community, you know. We're not, obviously the ramp's been around for years, but this community that you're sat in right now, 
this is new. This is a fairly new community. There's probably more people in here that I don't recognize, that I don't know, than I do know. And that is just such a valuable opportunity for each one of us to to make new friends. And I felt God's heart for this community as I prepared for this, that he has appointed you, he has placed you here as different as you are. There is no one person the same, no one story the same. We have different skin colors, we come from different countries, different backgrounds. That is just, that is a rare thing he has blessed us with. Rare thing he has blessed us with. The one thing we have in common, the one thing we have in common is our love for him. Our love for him. And the love for Jesus and one another, despite these many differences, what a powerful representation that is to the world. The world says we all have to be the same in order to like each other. But this is a unique representation to the world around us. In fact, actually, as I spent time seeking the Lord about this, I recognized this is the biggest smack in the face to the enemy. When we love well, when we love well, when we love in spite of our differences, then he trembles, he trembles. And so there's a reason why God has chosen every single one of us to be here in this community. So practically, how do we do it well? How do we stay healthy as a faith community? How do we not just give lip service to this? Because we, we use these words, don't we? Unity, harmony, you know. We use them they, so liberally, they fall off our tongues. But when the going gets tough, when things happen, you know, we're the first, like Pete was just saying, we're the first to put up walls or to, to hold a fence to hold up set for one another. We kind of write someone off, you know. Um, So how do we do this practically? Our relationships are often the area that brings us the most challenge, isn't it? Is it any wonder that, yes, it was God's priority, but it's it's the one area that brings us the most challenge. We've all got stories, all got things that we've had to resolve or things that we're resolving, family issues, friendship issues. It's the thing that causes us the most pain when it goes wrong. We can know all this in our head that relationships are important. But it's another thing to make it a reality. It's another thing to make it a reality. We can believe in something, but living it out is a different matter. We want to be careful that we don't just give lip service to this. That we don't just all attend on a Sunday morning and high five and God is good and bless you. And then we go about our day-to-day lives. So, practically, how do we do community well? How do we stay healthy as a faith community? And I've got three points. Not unlike Edith last week. I think that's a winner. So, three points. We engage. We have to engage. Okay? It's not, it is optional, but it's a necessity. Okay? It's a necessity. We need to engage. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 It says, don't neglect meeting together. Because 
by us meeting together, we motivate one another to acts of love and good deeds. It's, it's very, very simple. You know, we, we complicate it far too often. We need to be together. And this is one way we are together. And communities is another way we are together. And the, 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 um, the teams that we serve on is another way we are together. So we're not just talking about communities here. We're talking about setup and pack down. And, and we're talking about kids' church and prayer ministry. Well, there's, there's, there's so many areas in which we can engage. And yes, it's optional, but it's a necessity. It's a necessity. And yeah, what's, what's the issue with us engaging? I don't think it's just a, an issue with men, actually. I think, you know, there are reasons that stop us engaging, Okay, so we, we need to engage and we do this by prioritizing these relationships. We do this by prioritizing the opportunities. We do this by prioritizing the spaces that as a church we've put on for you. They're not secondary. They're, they're, they're important. They're vital to your individual growth in Jesus. So we're responding out of God's love for us. And out of that love, we express our love for others when we show up to these spaces. But we have to accept there's a resistance. There is sometimes for us all from time to time, it's a hard place to engage in communities because we've been hurt. Relationships have been painful. We're carrying disappointments. We're carrying hurts, wounds. We've rubbed up against each other and things haven't gone well. We might have been hurt in other churches, in other spheres, in other employment spheres, in our families. We have to accept there might be a resistance to engage. And as a, as a counsellor, so I work for the NHS, and um, I, I love my work as a counsellor, one of the things I'm, I'm very aware of, even in my own development, that when I sense a resistance within me, this is a sign that God is putting a finger on something. It's a sign that God is wanting to deal with something. That resistance, far too often, we just, we go with that resistance and we, and we shut up shop and we, we decide, that feels uncomfortable, I don't want to do that, so I'm just going to like, I'm not going to go there. But that, that resistance is sometimes God's way of showing you, I want to deal with something. There's, some, there's something that's stopping you enter into the best of what I have for you. So the resistance is a sign something needs to shift. Ask God, what is that resistance in me? What is that reluctance to engage? Is it a wound? Is it a hurt? There's going to be time at the end to pray if, and receive prayer if you are feeling that is, that is you, that you are carrying disappointment, people have let you down, you know, and you're, and you're frightened to drop those, wa- those, those walls down again. You, you, you're frightened to open up again. You don't want people to see who you really are. I just want to encourage you, you know, it will always hold you back, you know, unless you commit, unless you really fight to be to be where God wants you to be and to uproot the things that are slowing you down. 
The onus is on you. We can't be mind readers for each other. You have to take responsibility. Even if that hurt and that wound has been done to you, you have to take responsibility to say, I'm not going to live like this any longer. I'm not going to have this go on in my life any longer. I'm not going to let the enemy rob me of any more. You've got to push through those feelings. Push through those feelings that say you don't want to engage. Push through the flesh that says, Safer to stay with the people I know. Safer to stay with my people. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to be vulnerable. You're not always going to feel like it. In fact, you're never going to feel like it a lot of the time. If it's good for you, you're not going to feel like it. I really believed when I was in prayer about this that there is a demonic strategy to isolate you from people. Some of you are, are, are isolating yourselves and it is, a, and it is a strategy from the enemy to keep you there. Have realistic expectations of others. Stop expecting perfection. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Let go. Let go of having ha- such high standards for each other. So, we engage. And if there's areas that you are unwilling, you recognize this resistance, and there's wounds going on, there's hurts that you're dealing with, don't leave it. Don't leave a wound. No one leaves a wound unattended to. We have to deal with it. I have to deal with it. I've carried wounds in my life that have held me back far, far too long. And actually, it's just a simple process of allowing the balm of Gilead just to, just to touch you in those places where you've been let down and, 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 and start again with you. You can start again. So two, we commit. We commit to resolve issues. Expect that issues are going to arise. It's part of relationship. Don't be surprised. Commit, though, to forgive each other. Commit to cover each other. Commit to release the offense. And I just want to share, you know, my own journey of forgiveness. Now, I dealt with mental health issues and working in mental health. You know, I had lots of therapy. But I, 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 I look back over my life, I had a journey of depression. And later on in my life, weirdly, anxiety, which I had never dealt with. And when I brought it before the Lord... He showed me that there was unforgiveness in my heart. I was holding an offense towards a family member. And we all know how to deal with that as Christians, don't we? You know, we have to, have to, have to. We cannot walk around with unforgiveness in our lives. It will rob you. I feel so, so strongly about this. Like this could have absolutely destroyed my life. And actually it was, getting, what it was going there. It manifested in depression and it manifested in anxiety. And God showed me I had let, left the back door open. I had left the back door open because I had just allowed this offense just to sit. I was irritated by this person, you know, and I just allowed it to sit. I had, th- I had thought my offense was, I had thought too lightly about it. I hadn't realized how it was going to come against me. And it did. It manifested in a, a season of time where I really struggled with anxiety. I'd never struggled with that before. And low mood. And it was simple. I confessed, I confessed my unforgiveness to that person and we reconciled and God did an incredible work. And this last year, this last year, that depression has been broken off me. That anxiety, it has gone. 
it has gone. So even as I work in mental health, and I know there are, there are you know, you're dealing with stuff, and there's, there's lots of things you can, you can tap into. You know, there's, there's support, you can take counseling. I'm obviously a massive advocate of counseling, but sometimes it's a spiritual attack on your life. Sometimes it's actually can only be dealt with in prayer and deliverance. And you have to have such a fight within you that he says, no, I'm, not li- I'm living below the standard of what God wants for me. And so commit, commit to resolve, commit to resolve. It is so vital. And resolve the right way. Don't use every single brother and sister to have a little like chinwag about the person next door. You know, like go, go to the, if you can't resolve it, some things can be resolved some things can be resolved between you and God. And then some things need resolving between you and God first. And then you go to that person and you reconcile. So we commit. We have to flex and bend. I loved Stacy over the years. I've used these little stretchy things. And she's used it in terms of kind of us being willing to having that volunteer spirit. But I think I want RAM to be known as, and I feel that God wants RAM to be known as, we're flexible and bendy people. We are not going to hold each other up to such high standards that the minute we are let down, we write somebody off. So flex and be and bend. Be willing to move beyond your sense of entitlement and opinions. As, as was said, I think, earlier on today, it's not about us. It's not about us. Lay down your sense of entitlement and stop sweating the small stuff. There's so much in the Bible that talks about that. You know, stop falling out about the silly things. Like, your opinions matter, but in the grand scheme of things, they really don't. Um, <laughs> yes, they really, really don't. So, here we go. Three, the final one. We sacrifice. We sacrifice. Push yourselves out of your comfort zones. I know there's lots of us that are doing that. We're starting communities. The leaders are all raring to go. They've been praying. This is such an exciting season for us. Um, Community starts on Wednesday, eight weeks. And if you're not in a group and you're struggling to get into a group, come and speak to Pete and I and we'll sort it out. Um, There might be some other groups coming up even between now and Wednesday. But, you know, engage in these spaces. These Leaders have been prayed in, their homes have been prayed over. I really, really sense very, very strongly that we're talking about revival, we're talking about a move of God, we're talking about the army of the young. It isn't going to, well, God can come wherever he wants to come, but I really sense it's going to come in these intimate spaces. Revival is going to come in these intimate spaces. The move of God is going to come in these homes and around our dining room tables it may well fall out and break out in these larger gatherings as well, but Jeremiah Johnson talks about it in his um, re- more recent book. I can't remember the prophetic, something prophetic, his most recent book anyway. He talks about that exact thing, that the move of God is going to come in these intimate spaces. Don't miss out. Don't miss out. Don't miss out. So we sacrifice. I just want a few things. I want to um, encourage you. Make time. Make time for others, even today. You know, someone you don't know, say hello. Ask them for a coffee. Get to know someone, hear their story. Prioritize the idea of being in relationship the same way you might prioritize all the other things that are important to you. 
Yeah, we, we, we kind of think relationships is, again, this secondary thing, but it's not. Get to know someone different. Sit somewhere different. We're such creatures of habit, aren't we? But move about. Let's move about. Let's be a flexible, bendy church. Are you willing to be interrupted for the sake of others? Isaiah 58. What am I doing for time? Oh, we're all right. Okay. So Isaiah 58. Find it in here. Um, yeah. Isaiah 58, uh, verse 10, sorry, in the New Living Translation. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and your darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an overflowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the desert ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of the walls and a restorer of homes. Don't worry about running out of whatever. Don't worry about being in lack. When we sacrifice, I promise you, God will will give you more than you need. You You will not be left dry. You will be a well-watered garden. And we as God's people are called to rebuild. We are called to rebuild one another, to help in the rebuilding of one another. So we sacrifice. And there was just something else. There's a few other things I just want to touch on. This, um, you know, this shepherd's heart, the idea of having a shepherd's heart. This is in the job description of every Christian this is not just for the few that have that, that, that side of themselves. Oh, that's, he's a shepherd. He's got a shepherd's heart. She's got a shepherd's heart. I really feel, no, this is in the description of every Christian, in the job description of every Christian. It's not for the few. Loving others is in the heart of God. So it has to be in the heart of every believer. As we heard last week from Edith, the Barnabas ministry, it's, it's got to be in all of us. It's not just for the gifted few who are good with people. Don't disqualify yourself. You know, as I, as I sit with clients um, and I hear their stories, I have the privilege of hearing some harrowing stories, I feel the tangible presence Sometimes I feel it quite a lot, but I feel the tangible presence of God in me for them. And I really believe that the closer we walk with Jesus and the more we share his heart, we will be moved with compassion for others. We will experience his anger at injustice. We will celebrate with others. We will cry with others. We will experience God's heart for that person. And it's as we practice doing that with one another, as we make room to do that, then that that love that we have for others and even that sense of carrying his heart, that is going to grow. And as my husband, who loves his bodybuilding, has, has explained to me the process of that building that muscle, there's a tearing and repairing. And that tearing and repairing then builds strength in that muscle. So we have to practice this. This isn't for the few. And I, and, I, and I encourage you, just do that in practical ways, you know. Do that and reach out to somebody. Step out of your comfort zone. Psalm 39. One final verse. 
find that. So, Psalm 39. Yeah. Psalm 39, 4. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered. How fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. We are merely moving shadows. And all our busy rushing ends in nothing. First thing to say about that, life is too short. It's too short. It's too short for us to mess about. It's too short. Are we just too busy? Never get the sense, do you, that Jesus rushed about at all? Never get the sense that he rushed about. What's important to him needs to be important to us. And I can promise you this, that your relationships with one another and with him come so high on his agenda. We want to see a move of God. I believe we will see a move of God. But I believe it's not going to come in large, big, open gatherings. I believe it's going to come in intimate spaces. It's going to be coming in our homes and at our dining room tables. The Spirit of God is going to break out. And he's called each one of us to this community. To this community. There's a wonderful book. I don't know if anybody's, probably a lot, lot, a lot have maybe come across this book. Charlie Maxey, Charlie Mackesy. The boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse. And I love it because it's simple. It's just little illustrations. And there's one little um, page in there where it says, What do we need to do when our hearts hurt? Asked the boy. We wrap them with friendships, shared tears, and time till they wake hopeful and happy again. Don't underestimate the people that you have in your life. And the space that you have in your life for more friendships. The power of coming alongside someone. The power of listening. The power of praying. The power of, 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 of being with someone. Of journeying with somebody. And I do feel that there are probably certainly people in this congregation today who, even as they've heard um, Pete and I share, they know in themselves they have struggled to engage and you've struggled to engage because people have let you down. You're carrying hurts. God sees that. He doesn't, he doesn't like, you know, he doesn't just dismiss that. He sees that. And you don't have to pretend. And I, I just feel if that is you and you're carrying disappointments, you're carrying wounds, you're carrying, carrying hurt, hurt in the body, hurt in other bodies, then come forward, receive prayer. Let that be the first step. Let that be the first step. Let the Holy Spirit touch that area of your life like no one else can. Don't, don't, don't put it off. Don't put it off because he wants to do a deep work in you. This is the start of things. And then I also feel there's probably some here that they feel they're all right. They've got their group of friends. They've got a busy life, busy ministry. And maybe you've, maybe you've discounted actually your presence is needed. Your presence is needed in these spaces. There's still room. 
there's still room. There's still room. There's still more that God wants to do. So don't, don't, just, don't just, you know, write it off as a secondary, a secondary thing. It is the heart of God for you. He's got more for you to do. I remember in lockdown, you know, I made friends here um, that I didn't know prior to lockdown, but we met on these little online spaces that we, Joe and Stacy facilitated, these little groups that we did on Zoom. And I made friends there, genuine friends there, at a time when we were all shut off from one another. And so we're not now, we're all together. We're in person, we're here, flesh and blood. So yeah, I just, I just uh, Father God, I just, I pray now, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, just come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus. You see what people come in here with today. You see what they're carrying, Father. You want them, Lord. You want more for them. You want them to engage, Lord Jesus. You want them to have your heart for people, Father. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, and just move, Lord, move, move amongst us, Father God. Touch our hearts, Lord. Help us to be willing to bend and flex, bend and flex to what it is you want us to do, God. Have your way in our midst, in our community, Father God. May we be known as a community, Father, a community that genuinely loves one another is not just going through the motions but genuinely loves Father God I pray for those that have have walls around them I'm just reminded that God gave me a picture at the very end of this and it was it was a picture of scaffolding around a house and the sign under construction and I just want to encourage some of you that you feel you're you're under construction and you'll wait till you've kind of got it all together before you engage and actually God's wanting to show you that in these spaces in in community in these groups that that scaffolding is the body of Christ that want to come around you they've got a word they've got something they've got something they want to speak into your life don't put it off don't put it off. Don't think I'll wait till I've got it all sorted before I let anyone else in. Because you are missing, you are missing that opportunity this year to go into 2023 and be part of our communities and get to know people, really know people, really be able to call this community your brothers and sisters in Christ, the family of God, the family of God, that God wants to graft you into this family. So don't allow yourself to be on the periphery of it anymore. Have your way, Lord, in Jesus' name.